Well, look at somebody and say, you're kind of unique. We're all the time, come on, let's just be honest, we're all the time looking at somebody else and saying, man, some people strange. And those same folks looking right back at you and saying, man, there's a strange bunch there. It's God, God, uni- God just made a bunch of unique characters and you're just one of them. And then oftentimes we, 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 we scratch our head and say, just can't figure that one out. God can. God knows. God loves all of you so desperately. He designed you in a special way to do a special thing, to be a special purpose. In this time, in this place. Uniquely designed for the message today is simply this. Uniquely designed for this time, this place. We can look around our world and say that things are really messed up. I am telling you, God has uniquely designed us this time, this place. And so rather than groaning and moaning about the things that are coming upon our world, I'm going to declare that I am thankful, God, that you have placed me here to be light and salt in the midst of this generation for this time, this place. I'm going to read uh, quite a bit of scripture today in, in just a few minutes. I'm just, just warning you, I just do that sometimes. God has divinely appointed us to live our lives, listen to this, and fulfill His purpose. Amen. Regardless of what you may think life is all about, We were designed and created to fulfill His purpose. That's not popular, and and folks don't want to hear that because I just want to do what I want to do. I want to be what I want to be. I want to go where I want to go and do what I want to do. And God said, oh, I have a plan and a purpose for your life. You will allow me. You will allow me. I will do amazing things through you. It may not seem amazing to the world. It may not even be popular in our society. But I am telling you that it is, it's not that you will ever stand before tens of thousands, and maybe you will. It's not that you will have a a platform where you're recognized by multitudes of people. But what about that individual that God has designed you to specifically minister to one-on-one? God has given you a purpose. All of us were born with a God-given purpose for our generation. Let me talk to you folks that are old like me. Let me 
talk to you for just a minute. Finish strong. Pastor Freeman used to say that often, I want to finish strong. He encouraged other folks to finish strong. Just because you are a little older doesn't mean that you have any less of a purpose. I, I want to hammer that home. I want, I want you to understand, listen, there are folks oftentimes that get to the place in their life when, when it seems like I can't do anything. Physically, I'm not able to do much of anything compared to what I used to be able to do. But some of the greatest ministers that I have ever known have been people in their 70s and 80s and 90s that were prayer warriors. They could not get out. They could not go. And many of them were homebound. But they prayed and cried out to God, we need prayer warriors in this generation. Don't ever give in to the lie of the enemy that there is no place or purpose for you. Regardless of how young you are or how old you get, you have a purpose today. People, listen, this is an important statement. People often make the mistake of working to have everything to live. Finish. Nothing to live for. I'll say that again because I want you to take this statement home. People often make the mistake of working to have everything to live, nothing to live for. What will it profit? The Bible says, what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world but he loses his soul? It doesn't matter how much money you have. It doesn't matter how many things you have. Or it doesn't matter how little you have and you're striving just to make it. None of that means anything if you don't have anything to live for. We were created to serve the Lord, not this world. So it is pointless. There was a guy there was a guy 3,000 years ago, a little more than 3,000 years ago. His name was King Solomon. God gave him great wisdom, and he was one of the wealthiest men that has ever walked the face of the earth. Maybe the most wealthy. But he wandered away from God. And there's a great debate. There's always been a great debate among theologians, which I am not one, uh, but uh, but there's always been a great debate whether or not Solomon repented. Solomon had 700 wives, 300 concubines. 700 wives, that was never the plan of God. And he took them from all over the world. And when he brought them in to solidify peace and to have allies, he would not only bring these princesses into his palace, but he would also bring their gods and build temples for them. But here's the conclusion that Solomon come to the book of Ecclesiastes when he was an old man. 
the whole book declares it's vanity. It's vanity. That simply means empty. Being an old man, history says he died someplace between 74 and 80 years old. And when he was an old man, when he was an old man and he was at the end, end of his life and he had all of these women and he had everything, he, he, he declared that there's nothing that my eye has seen that I can't have. I can have absolutely anything I want. Nothing under the sun is kept from me. I am wealthy enough. I can have anything. Got to be an old man and he said, it's empty. None of it matters. It's all pointless. You may not think so today, but every one of you are going to face death and eternity. Everyone in this room is going to face death and eternity. And some of you, it might be 90. For some of you, it might be 60. For some of you, it might be 25. We don't know. There's no promise of tomorrow. But when we leave this life, if all we have had is the things of this life, our life is meaningless and empty and we'll spend eternity in a place called hell, separated from God forever. <clears throat> Solomon recognized that and he said, here's the conclusion. As an old man, as he, as he, as he finished up the book of Ecclesiastes, and here's what he says. Here's, a, here's my conclusion about life. Men ought to serve God. Men ought to obey and serve God. That's my conclusion. I've lived all these years. I've had all this stuff. I've had all the gold, all the silver. I've bought everything that I've wanted. And here's the conclusion that I come to. It's all meaningless and it's all empty. Men ought to serve God. I hope that's an indication to you. It's common for people to believe that having money and things be their source of fulfillment. That's a common belief in the Western world, but it isn't true. Because there are many, many wealthy, rich people who never have any satisfaction, never have any peace. They're still surrounded by chaos, They're still surrounded by pain, and they're still surrounded by all kinds of turmoil. So it doesn't take people a long time to learn that the source of fulfillment is not in money and things. You must have a better reason to get up in the morning. Listen to me. I don't know that I could do it. I'm thankful that I've had God all these years, but I, I'm not sure that I could get up every morning of my life just to have money and things, just to go through the ritual and the routine and the rat race and the mess and the and the and all of the all of the the, the pain and the frustration and the and 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 all of that that goes along with life and the ailments and the and the pain that you have when you're 66 and you get up in the morning and you and your back hurts. My back's okay, but it hurts in the morning. 
and your legs hurt. And I got up this morning, and I was trying to figure out why my arms was hurting. And I thought, I didn't really do anything in Tennessee for my arms to hurt like this. And then I remembered I carried Cooper around for several hours yesterday. That's the reason. Didn't play softball yesterday. Softball season's over. There's got to be something more to life than just money and things. Yes. It's our King of Kings, Word of Lord, who sits on the throne. One that we sang about, and I saw tears running down some of your cheeks this morning, and I seen big smiles on some of your faces as the Spirit of God reminded you of how blessed you are to know the truth. You know the truth, and the truth has made you. But not only that, I'm, I'm, I'm not going to get finished this morning. I can already see that I haven't got through my little introduction. But not only, not only is it just God, and God is first and foremost, but it's, but, 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 Fulfillment and joy. I can't think about my family not get a smile on my face. Even though I was trying to work on a sermon yesterday when Dylan sent me a message, uh, he said, are you going to be home? I sent back a one-word message, yes. He said, Cooper wants to see you. Yes, I can stay up late on Saturday night. Be okay if Cooper's coming over and Dylan. You can give your life for this world and stuff and things and toys and mess. Never be any joy. When you give your life for this kingdom, give your life for your family, and you give your life for something that truly matters, ministering the life of God into the heart of humanity, doing your best to be light and salt in a wicked, wicked day in a world where that is going absolute crazy. We have the honor and privilege of standing tall for what is right and what's true. That's the reason for living. That brings great fulfillment. read some verses of scripture. These guys have got me in the habit of, I, I've always put my notes back here, but they've got me in the habit of trying to change them a little bit. And uh, so you might have to have a Bible if you're going to follow along or your phone. Luke 12, I'm going to read some things that Jesus said. I'm waiting for, for, for better technology so I can have all of my notes on the back wall and I can have the scripture on the front wall and, and it all working together. I'm, I'm sure it could be done. They just got to figure that out for me. Pastor Steve, they got to figure it out for him. Then he said, beware. Guard against every kind of greed. What's the opposite of love? Greed. What does greed always do? What does love always do? Gives. Greed takes, 
Greed will take everything you've got. Guard against every kind of greed. Life is not measured by how much you own. Say, Jesus said. Then he told them a story. A rich man had a fertile farm and produced fine crops. He said to himself, what should I do? I don't have room for all of my crops. Then he said, I know. I'll tear down my barns and build bigger ones. That's the solution. Then I'll have room enough to store all my wheat and other goods. Sit back and say to myself, my friend, you have enough stored away for years to come. Just take it easy. Eat, drink, be merry. God said to him, you are a fool. You'll die this very night. Then who will get everything Yes, Jesus goes on to say, yes, a person is a fool to store up earthly wealth, not have a rich relationship with God. Then turning to his disciples, Jesus said, that is why I tell you not to worry about everyday life, whether you have enough food to eat or enough clothes to wear. For life is more than food, and your body more than clothing. Jesus goes on in the same chapter, tell us, urge us not to be anxious, not to worry. Then in the same chapter, in the 34th verse, it says this, wherever treasure is, there the desires of your heart will be also. You hear me? Wherever your treasure is, I just spent two days traveling, three days working. <clears throat> Break, we've done it two months in a row now. And Craig loves to talk about Levi, 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 Levi. Miss Levi. Like to be away from Levi. It's his little boy that turned two years old today. Where your treasure is, there are the desires of your heart also. What's important? There's really only just a few things that are important in life. God, purpose, God, family, it's not a whole lot of other things that are real important. But here's the here's the deal. Word of God also declared, I thought I had it in here and I must have skipped it. In the same chapter, it says that 
Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. All the other things be added. If you seek God first, I'll take care of your food. You'll seek God first. I'll take care and make sure that you got a job where you got enough finances. If you seek me first, I'll make sure that you're doing okay. You have more than enough. You'll seek me, my righteousness, me, and my ways. The book is, the Bible is not an antiquated book that is outdated. It is the absolute truth of God, and it has produced much my life. I can't speak about everybody else's life. I can only speak about what I know to be absolutely true. And God's Word has produced so much success and victory. By the way, have I told you today, you are uniquely designed to seek the plan of God above all else. I want to read three passages from the Old Testament, three different individuals. Some of you will know these, these people. Some of you will say, who in the world is that? It's okay. In the book of Esther, Queen Esther got a, got, a, got a book named after her. Queen Esther was one of those people that was in the right place at the right time for the purpose of God to be performed through her life. I'm not sure. There's some debate about whether she'd done everything right or not. I, I don't know about that, but I know she was where God wanted her, wanted her to be at a specific time. Esther, the fourth chapter, verses 13 and 14, it says this. Mordecai, however you want to say it, Mordecai or Mordecai, doesn't make any difference, still a strange name. Sent this reply to Esther. Don't think for a moment that because you're in the palace, you'll escape. All the other Jews are killed. There was a plan for the annihilation of the Jewish people without Esther being in the right place at the right time, it would have happened. If you keep quiet at a time like this, deliverance and relief for the Jews will arise from some other place, but you and your relatives will die. Who knows if perhaps you were made queen just such a time as this. Then let's look at Jeremiah. There's, there's Jeremiah, uh, chapter 1, verses 5 through 9. This is very familiar verses of Scripture. I knew you before I formed you. God said to Jeremiah, I knew you before I formed you in your mother's womb. Listen, God has a plan for every baby. He's going to say God has a plan for every baby. God has a plan for every baby, and he intends for babies to be born. I knew you before I formed you in your mother's womb. Before you were born, I set you apart and appointed you as my prophet to the nations. Before you were ever born, God said, I'm raising you up 
to be a prophet to the nations. God had to say, ain't nobody going to listen to you, nobody going to repent, but you're going to preach anyway. Oh, and by the way, when they take the rest of the bunch captive, they're going to take you captive too. But this is my purpose for you, to declare my word. Sovereign Lord, here's, here's, here's what I did. I said, Sovereign Lord, I said, I can't speak for you. I'm too young. Lord replied, don't say I'm too young. You must go wherever I send you and say whatever I tell you. And don't be afraid of the people, for I will be with you and will protect you. I, the Lord, have spoken. Then the Lord reached out and touched my mouth and said, Look, I have put my words in your mouth. Say, I am uniquely designed for a specific purpose to minister the life of God in the world. All right, let's look at Exodus. Let's talk about Moses for a minute. <laughs> Exodus 3 and 11. But Moses protested to God. God's calling him. Spent 40 years in the palace, 40 years on the backside of the desert. He's 80 years old, and God's calling him for his purpose. He spent 80 years getting ready. Do you hear me? Come on. I'm giving somebody some hope. God spent 80 years getting Moses ready for another 40 years of service. But Moses protested to God, Who am I to appear before Pharaoh? Who am I to lead the people out of, his, uh, of Israel out of Egypt? Then in the 13th verse, we skip down a little bit, but Moses again pleaded, Lord, please send anyone else but not me. Don't send me, send somebody else. Esther was afraid of losing her life. Jeremiah thought he was too young. And Moses gave God five different excuses why he couldn't lead the Israelites out of Egypt. Finally, God said, all right, I'll kill you. And Moses said, okay, I'll do it. That's what it come down to. All right. God made you on purpose, with a purpose, and all of the excuses in the world will never change the calling of God in your life. I'm going to say it again. God made you on purpose, with a purpose, and all the excuses in the world will never change the calling of God on your life. Could it be that we allow the condition of our lives to distract us from fulfilling the God-given purpose of our lives. Esther, Jeremiah, Moses, Solomon, many, many others. And David, when he got older, come on, he didn't finish as strong as he could have finished because he allowed himself to be distracted and listen, I have just named some folks 
some of those folks were not rich and some of them were very rich. And so the condition of poverty and the condition of wealth can keep you from fulfilling the purpose of God. And so you can't say, well, because I'm poor, I can't do anything for God. Nor can you say, I, I have so many things going on in my life. I'm just so busy. i got so much going on. Let me tell you something. God may come to the point of saying, you're a fool. You'll die. Somebody else will get you stuff. Could it be that we allow the conditions of our lives, well, I'm, I'm too sickly, too old, too shy, too nervous. Still an introvert by nature. And I catch myself, I can do it in this place and do it easily because I've been here for so long but I get in another place and someone says, would you like to preach? And I say, no. And I get in a room full of people and I want to shy into the farthest corner somewhere away from everybody else. And it would have been easy for me as an introverted young man, I mean a very introverted young man, I, I, was, I was extremely backward. It would have been very easy for me to say, I, I, I can't ever get up in front of people and do this. I, I can't. I can't. And anything that may have, have been of value in the years past, it's not about me. It's about the God in me that's enabled good things to happen. And some folks have been saved. And some things have been established. But I can't take credit for what I could not do because it's only been through the power of the Holy Spirit have I been able to do the things that God called me to do. And it's true with you. Why don't you embrace your God-given calling and say, this is what I'm going to do, even though the conditions of my life are not right through God's powerful Holy Ghost, I can. We need to declare Philippians 4 through 4.13, I can do all things through Christ with strength. Your God-given destiny is always connected to the individual abilities that he's given you. Uh, a week or week before last on a Wednesday night, I talk, I've been talking about stewardship on Wednesday evenings to my group and and, uh, and talked about things that are limited, managing things that are limited, time, talent, treasure. All of those things are limited. Your God-given destiny is always connected to your individual abilities that he's given you. You can't do everything, but God has made you and gifted you to be doing, to be able to do something. And it's, it should be a clue to you what your calling in life is based on the abilities that God's given you. Amen. Remember this, your talent is God's gift to you to do with it what you do with it, how you handle it, is your gift back to God. Handle it correctly. 
God gives you a gift so you can give it back to him by building the kingdom in this case. God invested, listen to this. You know this, but let me remind you again. God invested his very best in us by giving Jesus to die on the cross for our sins. Please understand that God invested everything so that you can be saved. So that you can go to heaven and not go to hell. It's the only way. Jesus gave his very best. Jesus took all of the sin, all of the weight of the sin of the world on himself. Past, present, and future. So that we can surrender and have eternal life. It's amazing. What will you do with what he's given you? What are you going to do? Are you going to be selfish, self-centered, and greedy, and use it for yourself? Or are you going to allow your life to bring him glory, make a difference in eternity, because of everything that he's done? We must be determined to develop excellence in the abilities God has given us. Amen. Come on, be the best you can be at what God has given you to do. And I, whatever job you do, just be the best you can be at. Because you bring God honor and glory when you declare that you are a child of God and you go to the workplace and you give your very best. You are light and salt in that workplace. Everything matters. Everything that we do is important. From the words that comes out of our mouth to the attitudes that we have to the character that we show, it all matters. It all makes a difference. Your God-given abilities have a threefold purpose. They enable you to provide for your family, yourself. Secondly, your abilities offer help and provision for others. Most importantly, they must be used to build You were uniquely made this time this purpose. I'm getting close to being done. Just try to try to try to I feel sorry for you. Matthew 25, let's, let's, let's look at what Jesus said. Again, the kingdom of heaven can be illustrated by the story of the man drift. He called together his servants and entrusted his money to them while he was gone. He gave five bags of silver to one, two bags of silver to another, one bag of silver to the last dividing it in proportion to their abilities. Going to put in your hands what you can handle. You see, what God has called you and purposed you to do, you can't say, that's too much for me, because God knows exactly what you can handle and what you can do, and he won't give you something to do that you can't handle. He won't put something in your hands that you can't do something with it because he knows you can do it. 
The servant who received five, five bags of silver began to invest the money and five more. The servant with two bags of silver also went to work and earned two more. The servant, I know it's terrible, but it's awful. But the servant who received the one bag of silver dug a hole in the ground and hid his master's money. That's what I'm going to do with it. I'm just going to make it hide. After a long time, their master returned from his trip, called them to give an account how they were Now, that's not the end of the story, but that's where I leave it. All of us are going to give an account to God for how we used what He has given us. So will you use what God has given you to build an earthly kingdom that's going to burn up and pass away? Or you will you use what He's given you to build an eternal kingdom that will be forever and ever? I can't understand it. I can't. I was thinking about it yesterday as I was, as I was going over this. I had, I really didn't have a lot to do. I had done for I was thinking about it's impossible for us to understand, and I was even praying while I was while I was thinking about this. We can't understand all we've ever known. It's time. Time is an interruption in eternity. There is no time in heaven. There's no time. It's not days, years, months. There's none of that. There's no death. There's no dying. There is no sickness. There is no pain. Because there is no sin, there's no grief. Because there is no sin, there's no anger. Because there is no sin, there's no drama. Because there is no sin, there is no there is no contention in heaven. That's where we're going. That's where we're going. I can't I can't comprehend that because I've lived in a world where there's always been anger, where there's always been war, and there's always been contention, and people couldn't get along, people had problems, and there's always been disease, and there's always been death. But there is none of that in heaven. That's where we're going. Why in the world would we... The reality is this. It seems like just yesterday I was getting married in 1974. After graduating in, in, in July 27th of, of 1974, after graduating from high school in June of 1974, 48 years have gone by. I was just a kid with hair all over my head. I was just a kid that didn't really know anything about life. Now all of a sudden, I'm 66, and and if the Lord tarries, I plan on living a while, but I don't I, I don't know, but I do know that the majority of my life is behind me and not before me. And if I put all my eggs in this basket, what have I got to hope for? No wonder folks get depressed. No wonder they want to take their lives. No wonder they don't they, they don't want to keep living. 
because this life has nothing to offer in the end. And the only thing that really matters is what we do for God while we live in this life. It's building our family. It's building our children. It's teaching and training and loving and serving and making a difference in our world. We were put here for a time such as this, to stand in a time of wickedness. Because I want to tell you, there's still people being saved in this time of wickedness. Just this past Sunday, we have a family sitting in this room that made a decision to surrender their lives to Jesus. Amen. And so God is still doing a work through those who will stand in the gap and make up the hedge. Those that will, those that will be, that understand what life is about. But we do want you to understand. Equally designed to fulfill his purpose. Equally, seeing people fully engaged in their purposes, confirmation that God has given each of us a destiny. One person can totally can be totally given to the medical profession while another person is obsessed with building the place where the medical professional works. What allows you to have great interest in something that, that bores other people to tears? What is it? Why are some people able to pick up anything and fix it while other people uh, should be totally pro prohibited from ever picking up a hammer? Why are some people able to devote countless numbers of hours to reading a book while other people will never read unless it's absolutely necessary? The gift or calling that God has, uh, the gift or, or calling that God has wired you to do is unique. You should never even try to be like somebody else. Do what they're doing. You need to recognize the abilities that God has given them, given you, and use it for His glory. Others can't understand. Others can't understand how you can do what you do, but neither can you understand how they do what they do. Your passion for your purpose will cause you to get angry. This is a good statement. Your passion for your purpose will cause you to get angry when you see certain things are not done properly. Amen. Why? Because God has gifted you, given you an ability to do a particular thing. And when somebody can't get it right or somebody's trying to do something they were never designed to do, it will make you angry. We want to see things done right. You're irritated by the fact that you know it could be done better. That's why it's important that people become more than professional pew warmers and ministry critics. We must use the gifts that God has given us for His glory, for salvation. Only God, come and help me. Only God knows how many people are sitting on the couch saying, I'm going to serve my God-given purpose. When 
Hey, listen, don't, don't pay attention. And they're coming to me up here whether you're watching them or not. Just, just listen. Just listen because I'm, just because I'm winding down doesn't mean I don't have a, something important to say. Only God knows how many people are sitting on the couch saying, I'm going to serve my God-given purpose when my finances are more stable. Or when my kids are grown up and I'm not having to fool with them no more. When does that happen? I'm going to fulfill my God-given purpose when I've got more time. life will never be perfect the circumstances will never be right it'll never be easy so use what God's given you now have enough faith to believe in what God created you to be and know this that together the two of you can do anything Amen. The two of you can do anything. By myself, most everything is impossible. But with God helping me, there is nothing impossible. You were called for such a time as this. Would you stand if you're able, please?